Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Today we're starting a, a new series called Higher, as I mentioned earlier. And I want to start out in Psalm 91. And I'm just going to read the whole psalm, okay? Y'all not that hungry, are you? Okay. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the construct destruction, the construction, the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This series, a three-week-long series, and thus the Lord takes the steering wheel and changes that is a series about where we've been and where we're going, who he's called us to be, our assignment in the city. And so I want to share a little bit of the stories of God, the testimonies of, of God. So this series is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have scripture, of course, but I'm not just exposing, you know, expositing scripture every time. It's going to be a lot of, um, my goal with this series is just to create a hunger and help us to see clearly. Okay. So um, we've been a church since 2018. For about 12 years prior, my wife and I, Bethany, we, we just had a vision to plant a church. Not just another church, but a place that would be a hospital for the broken, a place where people who are hurting could come find healing, and a place that would value his presence above everything a place where his presence was not just talked about, but he was tangible. A place that would be set like a lamp in their city as a place for his glory to shine out of. And so there was this moment where we felt like the Lord was saying, okay, now is the time. And we didn't know how to plant a church, but the Lord put us with people who had been before us and had done the thing. And so we, we hung out with them for a while and learned how to do it. And I left um, a ministry job that I'd been in full time for eight years and fairly comfortable to just like nothing. We didn't have anything, okay? I called a guy that I knew in town and was like, hey, you got a barbecue restaurant. I can wash dishes. I just need somewhere to 
land until I can, you know, find a, find a job. And that was a great, that was, I'm so thankful for that. And I remember being back there and I, I'm just telling you, smelling barbecue every day, that's my kind of place, okay? <laughs> but I was chopping butts back there and asking, Lord, what's next? And, and literally, just in the back of the house, and I would be in the kitchen and, you know, for these commercial kitchens, you got to wash, sink, or soak, and then you got to rinse, and then you got to sani, you know, sanitizer. And I remember taking those pans and I would dip them in that sani rinse. And I, and I had the thought one day, one day it's going to be people, <laughs> not pans. And it was just like that waiting, you know, just you, you, in those moments where you know God's up to something, but you're not seeing it yet, yeah. right? You got to have vision. And for me, in that place, which is pretty low, by the way, I was, I was pretty like, is this ever going to happen? But vision kept me going of like, one day it's not going to be pots. It's going to be people that we're baptizing and sending out. A church was gracious enough to let us stay in their house. It was like an old pastorium, if you know that old term where the preacher lived, but they weren't using it anymore. And... Um, they would let missionaries and people on, coming off the field and on furlough or whatever stay in the house, and they let us stay there for about eight months. So grateful for that. And um, it was during that season of time where I would go out on the patio in the mornings, and it was out in the country in rural Alabama, and uh, there was a peanut field across the road, and I would just sit out there, and all you hear is little birds and the sunrise coming up. And I would, spend the t I would spend time with the Lord those mornings and I was just resting and dreaming and connecting with God. And there were two doves that would waddle up and they just, you know, while I'm out there. And almost every day that I was out there, those doves would be there. And, uh, and I just, you know, God speaks in a variety of different ways. I mean, he has his word and this is the standard, you know, but like he also speaks through nature, through other people, through circumstances. And it was in those moments with the doves that I just really felt like the Lord saying, this is a season of peace and rest for you. And so I would not struggle, not try to strive, but just live in the moment, you know, to live present. It's a hard year. And I needed that. I needed to just sit and be in his presence and know him. And one day the doves weren't there. And the next day the doves weren't there. And the next day, and they left, they abandoned their nest. And I'm like, where'd the doves go? Where'd my peace go, you know? <laughs> and I was sitting out on the patio one day. And I, look, I just happened to look across the street and there was a light pole. And there was a hawk sitting up on the light pole. That might have been what happened to the doves. I don't know. But, <laughs> but there's a hawk sitting up there. And immediately, you know when God just speaks to you, it's like a bam, it's almost audible, but it's like, you know the Lord's just talking to you. And immediately, I just felt and heard. It's like, you know, I don't know how to explain that, but you just know. It's like a knowing. This time of peace has been for a season, but now it's time for vision. And you can't have vision like that hawk has vision unless you come up higher where that hawk is. There's a reason he's up there. Because you can have all the vision in the world, but if you're at the wrong angle, there's too many obstacles. 
to see very far. So vision can be long, but position makes vision what it is. You follow me? And so I just felt like the Lord was saying, it's time to come up higher. It's time to stop thinking about this church plant and about your assignment to a city and all that stuff on a human level, on the way that you think. It's time to come up and start thinking like me, seeing my perspective. And so this terminology, higher perspective, coming up higher to a higher perspective just kind of became the language around this to me personally. And then once we moved over here, oh, and it was during that season of the vision that some of the language, like we create spaces for people to encounter God as a father, discover their identity and fulfill their purpose. We make room for God. We make room for people. We make room for more. That's where all that came. In those mornings on that patio, and just felt like the Lord was just refining and defining who we were to be. This was 2016. <laughs> Two years before the dwelling would even exist, right? Vision gets you through valleys. Vision gets you through things that you cannot see. When pain is at its greatest, its vision is what's going to help you see through it. And the Lord's given you a vision for your life. If you don't know it, just press in to know Him. And when you find Him, you find His vision for your life. So we move here, eight of us. Eight to this. Isn't that awesome? If we'd all show up at the same time, we couldn't fit in here, you know? Like, um, but then we, we got to know about 35 people and 35 people said, I'll join the team. I don't know you. I don't know what a church is. Where's your church? Well, we're not a church yet. Is it a cult? I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> what is this? People like Abby Trey, where you at, Abby? People like Abby Trey, the first one on the team, Brittany and Joe, like, they don't even know us. And they're like, yeah, I'll help you plant a church. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Said yes before they understood what they were getting into. But then we launched the church there on the south side in the movie theater. Come on, Skittles and popcorn on our shoes when we left every Sunday. Set up and tear down for three years and COVID hit. But in that season at the theater, there was a, there's a few months in, we had a series called We See a City. Because it's always been about more than just growing a church. It's always been about more than doing church. It's, more, it's always been more about, more than connecting people, as awesome as that is. It's been more than just community. It's actually been about the heart of why we exist is to transform a city. Amen. To see Jesus transform a city through us and in us. And so it was during that series that we, we shot a promo video for We See a City. And we went up on this parking garage on the top of it. And while we were shooting that, it was, it was awesome, by the way. We need to recircle that or recycle that on social or something. It was amazing. It was just like, man, it's so inspiring and epic. But while we were up there, I just happened to walk around to the side where the stairwell was. And this guy was just sitting there. And you know, you have those moments where it's like, 
I mean, it's just a bird, right? <laughs> but it's a very timely bird, you know? <laughs> like, I was like, there's like a holy moment for me in that, in that moment. And uh, for those you've been around a while, um, maybe on, just in some vision conversations and big decisions that we've made and big battles we've been through as a, as a church, and there's been a hawk present at every one of those moments. And I know some of you are like, okay, he's crazy. Nope. It does sound crazy and it sounds a little silly, but with every move of God, there's this like prophetic undercurrent that just keeps you going because vision keeps you going in the hard times. And so there would be mornings where in the old theater and I I would be out there I'd be walking to my car, I mean, from my car to the movie theater, and there would be, it would be a vision Sunday like this. And that particular day, there were two hawks sitting on the, two of them, sitting on the lamp post out by the theater. And then when we came to, to check out this building for the first time, right across the road, there's a, there's a scad building. And then the, what am I saying, light pole, hawk sitting up there. It's just like, it's too on time to not be the Lord. And it's like, why? yes, the Lord would send a bird for you. Like, even if you, that may just break your, that may just break your grid of understanding. Like, but that's so weird. It's just been so weird, but so great and so beautiful because he just leaves breadcrumbs for us. And even though when you're, even when you're like, I don't know, are we doing what the Lord wants us to do? Because my heart, guys, my heart's this. I know that I'm not the monopoly on God's voice around here. Like God speaks to the church. I love that. Like this morning, the Lord spoke to James. I got a text about it. Release that. Release that. Like the Lord speaks to all of us. And so I've always been this thing, this attitude of like, Lord, I don't want to miss a step. I'm like Moses, unless you go with us. I don't want to go. Like part, of that's my pers- like part of that's my personality, but, you know, I'm just kind of cautious. And like, but part of, part of it's like, no, I literally do not want to do this thing without the presence of God. And so I'm so thankful for these things where he just, he just left, he just puts out bread, bread crumbs. Not about me. This story is not about me. It's not even, it, it's about us, yes, but it's bigger than us. Yeah. And what he's doing in this day, in this hour is so massive and so important and so weighty and so heavy. I felt so um, almost intimidated by sharing these next three weeks because I know how important it is. And, I, and every time he begins to do something, he comes near in a special way and things start showing up like hawk. I would not be surprised if there's one outside when we dismiss today. I'm just saying. (laughs) So the point is, it's a reminder. Hey, remember, you won't make it very far looking at this angle. You got to come up higher. You got to have my perspective. You got to be thinking like me. You got to be seeing like me. You got to be, you got to be seeing your city like God sees a city. And so I don't take it lightly, as silly as it may sound. 
I don't take these prophetic words that we've gotten that I've literally got an Evernote file on my phone that you just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll to get to the end of it because I save every little word, every little dream, every little promise. And we've seen so much come to pass. We've seen so many promises fulfilled, but we barely scratch the surface of where God wants to take us. Barely. I wrote this around April 2016. I said, God's going to let us ride a wave. Something big is coming, and he's letting us be a part of it. He's looking for people he can trust with his presence, a church that will steward it well. I do not believe that God, that everything God wants to do rests on this house. I believe that he's letting us, giving us the privilege of being partnered with him in what he wants to do in this city. I believe that there is a tide that's rising in the church in our city, and it may not be evident right now, but I feel it in this house. And I don't, I'm not so foolish to think that he's not doing it other places. And so I feel like what we're going to be able to experience is as the tide rises in our city, God's going to be raising up his bride that will actually shine and be the light for him, like a city on a hill in a city. This is, this is what we're called to. This is what he's doing. He's calling us higher. Because we cannot fulfill the assignment on a human level. We must come up higher. And so I'm just going to throw this caveat in there. Going higher, higher means changing. And um, I am not one of the, you know, we're all creatures of habit. I'm not one who just likes to switch it up all the time. I like comfort. I like all that stuff. Can I get an amen somebody from, from some people that understand? Um, but I do know that when you walk with Jesus, things always are changing. And so the way that we do things, I mean, honestly, this, people, this, this group of people in this room right now and watching online, the people who call the dwelling home, it's a completely different church than it was in 2020, 2019. Things change. People come, people go. There's one thing that's going to remain, and it's what he's called us to do. It's what he's called us to do, and that'll never change. And so I just want to break down our vision statement, our values, and what we feel like the Lord has called us to and where he's calling us to. So you've heard this. I said it a while ago. We create spaces for people to encounter God as a father, discover their identity, and fulfill their purpose. That's why we exist. Does that include being all together and loving each other? Yes. Does that include having awesome worship times together like this? Yes. Does that include being in community together? Yes. Does that include being on the streets talking about Jesus? Yes. But we exist to create spaces everywhere we go to become an encounter for people that they might know him, Jesus, know the father through what Jesus has done and know who they are and then fulfill their purpose. Everybody's asking the question, why am I here? We don't think you can find the answer to that question unless you know who you are. And you'll never know who you are until you see your reflection in his eyes. That's where identity comes from. It's from a relationship with a father, knowing who you are. And then as an overflow of identity is where you find your purpose. 
And so that's the order. And then there's these value statements. These are the ways that we create the spaces. This is the filter. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at all three of them. But here's number one today. Okay, everybody say, number one, we make room for God. Say it like you mean it. We make room for God. It's what we do. And you can find these on our, on our website. We hold fast to the conviction that we are the dwelling place of God. And we endeavor to be a people who carry his presence for the sake of the world. Beginning in a city. So Sunday mornings is one of those spaces that we create. In this warehouse. Right? Don't call it the church. You'll get corrected. <laughs> we ain't being mean. We're just trying to be clear. You are the church. The dwelling is not a church. The church is a dwelling. And when we gather in this warehouse on Sundays, we create a space. We make room for God. So we have worship that don't mind waiting. In a church culture that just wants to bam, 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 three songs, announcements, message, raise your hand and go home. We want to take a space even if it's, we didn't plan for James to come up. We didn't plan that long wait, but he's here and we honor him. Yeah, 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 that's good. And we're always going to do that, by the way. Always. Good. We're going to value his presence. His presence is priority. We believe more, that can, more can happen in two seconds than in 20 years of doing the religious thing. In two seconds, seeing his face can change everything. He's like the chiropractor. He just rearranges everything, just looking in his eyes. His presence does that. And the longer we're in his presence, the more we're conformed into his image. We become like him. And so in this room on Sundays, that's what we do. We don't mind waiting. Because he's worth it. It's not about us. So there's presence or preference. Now, we all got our preferences about music and about style of worship and about preaching and about all that kind of stuff. We throw all of it out the window and we say yes to presence. That's just how we do it. Preferences are great. You can have preferences, but we're going to go after the presence above our preferences. And, you know, Expression, I, I, I just want to address this. It gets kind of wild in here, doesn't it? You may not be used to that. How about I'm not used to that? <laughs> I didn't grow up that way in church. It was like, you better just behave in church, you know? And, um, but I'm going to tell you something. This is a free place yeah. to express. And I, I, I'll tell you this, if... I want to say this the nicest, I'm not being mean, I just want to say it the nicest way I can, is like, if, ex, if someone else's expression of worship is offensive to you, you won't make it far in the kingdom. Yeah. Offense will take you out. So, whether it's a flag, or whether it's a whistle, come on, Dan. Like, whether it's a, an extremely loud yell from the front row. Like, there will be freedom of expression here because he's worthy of a sacrifice. And when, he, when, I, when I know he's here, I must respond. 
Now, we all worship differently, and if your response is somewhat less wild than some of these folks that sit up here on the front, then that's, that's good. That's fine. But I'm saying one of those things that we have to, to die to, and this is a, a message back in June that I preached prerequisites for life. It'd be good to go listen to that again. I need to listen to that again. One of the things we need to die to is control and offense and all of that to be able to carry what God wants us to carry. Because I, I'm not, I know that y'all not like me, but I get offended really easy when things are different and things can be offensive when, in, in movements of God. And, and when he's moving, sometimes we don't think it ought to be like it is. But before we make a judgment, when you just step back, we examine fruit. And it, how many know it takes a while for fruit to show up? So I'd rather have to put out a fire than to make sure no fire ever gets started. Are you with me? All right, so we make room for God. That's what we do. We make room not on, just on Sundays, but we make room in homes. These, this is what communities are all about. You know, we, we used to do um, interest-based, like, you know, a, cake, a cake baking group or like a bicycle group or what, you know, like, and those are awesome. I love that stuff. And some of that stuff's still going on. There's volleyball happening during the week and just these, these uh, like men's gatherings getting together and moms hanging out at the tot lot in the mall, you know, like, yes, I love it. I get so excited about that stuff. But what, what we want to do is we want to focus on the homes this is a warehouse, and what we do here is we're sent out through that door, like a, like a shipping department, into the homes, and then out of the homes, we're sent out into discipling relationships and, and, and get-togethers and things where, where discipleship can, can happen, but the home is key, and I'm telling you, 2020 taught us we need to be ready to have church in the home because I think that was a test run, honestly, just being honest with you. I love this gathering on Sunday morning, but I'm telling you where I've seen the most growth in some of your lives is you getting plugged into communities. Oh man, it's so rich. It is so rich and God is moving. It's a place of his presence. I'm telling you this, in every community, we have communion weekly. And I don't know what your theology is. All I know is communion's a, a, a bigger deal than we've made it in a lot of circles in the church. We make room for God. We make room for in communities for people to, to be the church where it's not just one guy with a mic. Like there, this is, this is abnormal. This is abnormal. This is one day a week. You're the church. We are the church. Shouldn't be just one guy. And so communities give a space for that to happen where we are intentional about creating a space for people to encounter God, discover their identity, fulfill their purpose within the context of family. And so we make room for them to move in our, in our midst. I love these moments in communities where it's like, uh, so what's going on with you this week? Well, I mean, you're sitting there eating your wings. Well, um... I had car trouble this week. Raise your hand if you had car trouble this week. Legit. Like, look at the hands. I can't tell you how many people. We did too. Both cars. But I've seen, I've seen people rally together and take up some, hey, here, maybe this will help out. 
I've seen, I've seen communities stop the agenda right on point and say, we're going to pray right now for you. And ministry happens. And that don't happen in, the, in a context like this. You need that. Sign up for community. I'm being pushy, I know. But it's because I, I know it's so good. And then I'm going to say this. One of the spaces I just, I, we have to create. And I don't know the timing on this. Where it's, in, it's like just conversations I'm having with people. But I just, it grieves my heart and it's becoming almost unsettling to me. That there is not a place in our city where prayer does not stop. I believe the Lord is calling the church of Savannah to have a, a house where, where incense can rise. Prayer is always unceasing. He deserves that in our city. And that's what our city needs. We need a furnace. It's just always boiling. And prayer is always going up on behalf of our city and for the sake of his name and his glory in our city. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I just know that's got to be a space that we create. Because his presence is priority. Since when do we have to make prayer entertaining? Some of the most beautiful moments with Jesus happen on Wednesday nights. This Wednesday night is prayer night, by the way, at 7 some of you that have been in some of those moments, now sometimes it's just prayer. <laughs> you know, let's not make it all super spiritual. Sometimes it's just discipline. But sometimes it's those moments where he's so intimately involved with what's going on and, and praying corporately and praying together is such a big deal. And I'm just not one to make it entertaining. I just think we just got to get a taste for it. And I think our city is called to that. I think we're supposed to have a a place, I don't know if it's in this building, I see it in this room, where there's just eventually night and day prayer. Like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm burning for that. I don't know. Get a hunger. Get a hunger for it. Get a vision for it. That where prayer is not just, we're praying about something, but prayer is being with him. And it's a space where He's always welcome and, and people are always welcome to connect with him. And then don't be afraid to create your own space. Be aware of his presence in your life and on your life because the church, is, the church is a dwelling. If you've been around here for any length of time, you've, you've heard this story. Uh, we were on vacation one time and there was a lady in a gas station. and We stopped for, for gum and a potty break with three kids. And I, I went to the counter and as I was checking out, in my voice, in my head, I heard this. She's worried about her son. Now, automatically, no, like this was very early on in, in my relationship with the Lord, like where I believed he would actually talk to me and that he was kind of wanted to do that because <laughs> I had an orphan mentality for most of my life. Even though I grew up in church, I thought he's always mad at me. Why would he talk to me if he's mad at me? Somebody needs to hear that and wake up to it. Boop. Come on. He loves you. He loves you. You're his son and daughter. He wants to talk. And so we're, I'm sitting there in front of this woman, and, and I hear this in my head, and I'm like such a chicken. I'm not going to say anything. And so I go back to the van, and we load up, 
And my heart's beating out of my chest. I said, Bethany, I got to go back in there. And so I go back in, and, and by that time, everybody's cleared out. That's grace. That's just grace. Nobody's in there to listen to me, fumble around. And, um, and I say, hey, I don't want to be weird here, but like, I'm trying to hear the voice of the Lord in my life. And um, I felt like when I was in here a while ago, he told me you were worried about your son. And she, she starts crying. And she says, um, I have a grown son, and he, um, he was chopping up a tree with a chainsaw, and he gashed his leg open, and it's got infected, and it's just, ugh. He's been in the hospital for, I don't know how long it was, like two weeks or something like that, and he's, it's just not getting any better, and she's there, and she's having to work because she can't be with him, and it's tearing her up on the inside, and God sees and knows her and cares enough about her to send a bozo in there who's never met her, doesn't know her situation, that would just say yes to what he's saying, to like just to be sensitive to what he's saying and just release that. Say, hey, God loves you enough to just, just to let you know he knows. And we hold hands over that counter and pray. And I mean, you know, a space was created in a gas station for someone to encounter God as a father, discover their identity. Like I'm loved by the father. Like, I don't know if she thought about God all day, but in that moment she did. And he might have been the topic at dinner. And I'm telling you, if you'll create spaces like that, if you just be sensitive, if you just be aware, like Christian spoke about a few weeks ago, it's like just awareness of his presence. It's just walking with him, partnership with him. And I know, I tell you in Bible college, don't end on a warning note or a, a bad note or whatever, you know, it's kind of against the preaching rules. But I do need to say this. I, I've already established the word is the word is priority, right? The word is the Bible is the foundation of everything we believe. It's the revelation of who Jesus is. It is how he speaks. But the, even though the canon's closed, the conversation's not over. He speaks. And so I pay attention to dreams. I don't, I don't bank everything on them, but I let them be a breadcrumb. And I can tell you there's been an explosion of warning dreams in this house from you guys, from a lot of you guys. And I keep up with all of it. And I see a pattern. And what I hear the Lord saying, what many of us have heard the Lord saying is we have to guard this value above all else. We have to guard the vision that he's called us to above all else because there is, there is and will be as we, as we grow as a church, the longer we are a church, the more we become known as in our city, the more our influence grows as we implement changes to implement growth as we respond to the growth that God's bringing in this house. We have to hold on for dear life to what he's called us to in this value. We will make room for God. Now we talk about people next week. I'm not getting unbalanced, but I'm saying you can't start with people. You have to start with him because we ain't got anything to give people if we don't have his presence. And so we've got to, we've got to guard this. We've got to honor. There's a real value. I mean, a real danger in letting the value of his presence slip away from our hearts. And I'm telling you where it starts, not in this room. It starts in our personal lives. We have to guard his presence in our homes. We have to guard his presence in our personal walk with him. I know what it's like to do ministry without Jesus and without his presence. And it literally almost killed me. Yeah. 
And so you ain't going to get me going backwards on this. And I'm going to always fight for it. And I'm going to always drill it in our heads in my, for my own sake, okay? Each one of us have to be very, very committed to, to honoring the presence of the Lord in our lives, to make His presence a priority. Because it's not going to be about what the leadership in this church decides. It's going to be each individual, yeah. each of us, yeah. making it a priority. So I want to, I want to end with this. There's a, I want to show you a picture. This is a journal entry from 2016 when a group of us who were coming over from Alabama just spent the weekend in the city, drove around, we prayed and we talked and we dreamed together and all that. And after that was over, I was just processing all that, that trip with the Lord and just prayer walk in the city and everything. And I, I wrote this in my journal and this has been some key language for us. And I, I, I'm, the only reason I'm saying this is because I want you to just see. I want, I want us to come up to a higher perspective. It's bigger than church. It's bigger than what we're doing. It's, it's what he's doing. But I, I wrote this in 2016. I see a city invaded by the presence and power of God. I see a people encountering God on the streets in homes, in the marketplace. I see dead religion coming alive. I see a city united, a city of reconciliation. I see a city healed. I see a church that leads the way. I see homes becoming safe places for children, marriages restored. I see safe streets. I see a city that hosts the nations and impacts nations. I see flaming arrows being launched out of the city to Africa, to Europe, and to the rest of the world. I see a house of hope for unwanted pregnancies providing hope and solutions for young women. I see a house of freedom where people can be delivered and set free, counseled and set up for success. I see kids loved. I see an entire city warmed by the fire of God's presence and love. I see a city step into his prophetic destiny as a colony of God a representation of heaven. Do you know that's what John Wesley spoke over this place before he left? It's my hopes that this will be a colony of God. Changing the world begins by changing a city. Changing a city begins by changing families. Changing families begins with changing individual lives. It starts with one person, one person at a time. It starts with a church convinced of and committed to a vision. It's what we've been called to. It's bigger than us. And we're not the only ones God's called to this vision. But we're not going to say no. And as long as I got breath in my lungs and a heart beating in my chest, I'm going to stay in this city. And I'm going to till the ground as long as I need to till it. And I'm going to cry out for rain for as long as I have to cry out. I've been praying for 18 years for a revival and I pray another 18. It's no big deal. The beauty of it is that none of us have to go it alone. God's called us to a family. Not just a family in this house, but this is really special. But we got a family meeting all over this city this morning where the wind of God's going to blow through old dusty places and old dusty hearts again. And he's going to warm hearts again. As Wesley said, strangely warmed. That's our prayer this morning. God would just strangely warm hearts again.
So how do we see a city changed where we carry his presence for the sake of the world and we start in our city? I want to close with just a prayer of surrender and commitment, but I want to read this Psalm 27, verse 4. And we sang about this this morning. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I'm not asking anybody to say yes to a, a church. But I'm asking all of us here today to say yes to Jesus and what he's called us to. And if this is the place where he's called you to carry out your purpose and your vision for this city, if this is a family you can partner with, then great. Because this is where we're going. We will make room for God. Let's all stand our feet. Father, we thank you for just the little whispers, the little breadcrumbs and the, the undercurrent of your voice and your presence and that has led us to where we are today. And if you've been so intentional in the past, we know you're going to be with us moving forward. We know that you're going to be intentional with us moving forward. And there is nothing that we can face that is too big for you. There's no mountain that cannot be moved. There's no city that cannot be changed. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to partner with you in what you're doing in the earth. And this, in your own way, around this room and those watching online that are connected to this house, just say yes to that in your own words, in your own way. We say yes, Lord, to your will, to your way, to what you're doing. We thank you for calling us into partnership with you. May your kingdom come and your will be done in Savannah as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You guys have a great week. God bless you. See you next Sunday.